You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals, welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. We're glad you guys are here. Boy, I'm joined today by a special guest, which means I'm out of the closet, which is always kind of fun. We've been fighting with some, uh, well, not fighting, because we love our landscape folks. But you know how when you're trying to do something really quiet or you just put a little kiddo down for a nap and then the garbage truck comes or something. So we're kind of having one of those mornings, but that's okay. So if you hear any humming in the back, you can just pretend it's just like your house and we're very normal around here. But today I get to be joined by Erin DeGroote and she has such a unique and redeeming story of the things that the Lord has done in her life. I'm actually just going to let her kind of introduce it and say it. So Erin, first of all, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. I love this. So first, Erin, why don't you go ahead and introduce us? Tell us about your family, your husband, how many kids you have, all that kind of stuff, and then we'll dig in. So I am married to Destin, and we are coming up on 14 years of being married, and we have been at Athey for about 16 years. I was just thinking back through that. We came to our first service in on a Wednesday night in January of 2007. Do you remember so, what book you were in? I believe it was Obadiah. Obadiah. Yeah. This is always so. the question for Athey Creekers is usually we don't remember the year we started, but we remember the book of the Bible we yeah. were in. And so I always ask that. Okay, that's cool. Yes. So Destin and I, we have five kids. We have nine and a half year old twins, a boy and a girl, and we have a six-year-old boy, a four-year-old boy, and an almost two-year-old boy. So four boys and one girl. And I was just telling her before we started to record, real cute. Oh, (laughs) man, are these kiddos cute. So I'm going to have Erin just kind of tell her story because she has a unique story in how the Lord built their family. And it really was the Lord that did all this. So why don't you talk to us about what that was like and your unique story with IVF. So go ahead, Erin. Perfect. So my story, I guess it started even before I was part of it. So my husband, Dustin, had cancer when he was 17 years old. He was diagnosed with cancer, spent a year going through treatment up at Dornbecker. He had Ewing sarcoma, and so he did chemo and radiation for that. And during that time of being sick, a friend of the family, I believe, gave him a verse, John eleven four, which says, But when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness does not end in death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. And Dustin actually shared that verse with me early on in our dating years. And growing up, I was not necessarily a girl who just dreamed of my wedding day or dreamed of all the kids I would have or whatnot. I was one of three and just assumed I'd probably be a mom, but didn't necessarily spend a lot of time thinking about that. And so when Dustin and I got married, I just assumed we'd have kids and that the Lord would somehow do something miraculous in our life because even though Dustin had cancer, didn't really think that truly we wouldn't be able to have kids. And had you guys talked about that? We, yes, you know, we, I'm had, sure before we you knew got it was a really big chance that we couldn't, but I think deep down in both of our minds, we just assumed, you know what, we're still going to be able to have kids, no problem. Mm-hmm. And so we were married for a year or two and said, okay, like we really want to try thinking about having kids now. We're ready to really try to think through that and see. And so just kind of kept waiting like, oh, maybe this month it'll be it. And, Mm. you know, would get those reminders. Nope, not going to happen. And so we then finally took this step to 
go and have Dustin tested. And I guess a step back real quick, just a side note, the Lord was working way back when, and a family friend had just prompted Dustin's parents, hey, you may want to think about his ability to have children in the future. And so just gave him prior to radiation or chemo? Literally like the day before his treatment started. And so he was 17 years old and he was able to go and store sperm for the possibility of children in the future. Mm. So fast forward now to us having been married for a few years and we were praying about just what would the Lord have us do to have a family. And reading back in my journals, just seeing there were times where I thought maybe the Lord was going to lead us down the adoption road. Maybe He was supernaturally going to do a miracle in our life that didn't seem possible. And maybe we were going to go down this infertility road. So I actually spent time in those years just building that foundation of my own faith and just seeking women at Athey. I have a couple of journal entries where I met with Judy, and she's still just such a blessing to me and just reminding me of how good the Lord is. So we then went and Dustin was tested and we got the for sure, nope, it is not possible for him to have kids. And that was devastating because I think, like I said, both of us really just thought, oh, maybe this is going to just happen somehow. And how long had you guys been married at that point? Let's see. That was 2012. So about three years, a little over three years. So we said, okay, like we're just going to keep seeking the Lord and see what he would have. And we then just started to check out our options and see. And one of the verses that Judy shared with me in May 11th, 2012, I had a meeting with her and she just agreed to stand in the gap for me and for us and listen to us and lift us up in prayer. And she shared with me the verse from Romans 4 with Abraham and Sarah and how literally it was against all hope, against all possibility that Sarah would be able to have a baby. Mm. And it says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead and that the Lord can do what he wants to do, even when it looks like our body might be dead. And so we continued to pray and just really felt like the Lord was opening up a door to go down this path of IVF for us. And that was very scary. It was not something that I ever thought I would have to encounter. It's not a way that I thought that I would become a mom. And the two of us just continued to seek the Lord, ask for His direction, His guidance, His wisdom, His provision. IVF is not cheap to go through. And also just for His peace about if this was the route that he was going to take us down. So at that time, and maybe you can help us understand, because there is kind of a lot of myths a little bit about IVF. Maybe some of them are myths, some of them are founded, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But what was your even your impression of IVF at that time? Like, was that, I mean, yes, medically, probably really scary. I'm not real sure what's all involved, but I'm sure it's quite, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot, I know that you guys like have to do a lot of injections mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, it's not a piece of cake. No. But then even how your family perceives that and things like that, like what did you think of just the idea of possibly doing that? Well, I have an extreme fear of needles. Perfect. Um, <laughs> my 
own mother would walk into the doctor's office with me until I was 18 and moved out of the house and she no longer could go with me to hold my hand when I had to get a booster shot or, you know, something like that. I do not like needles. So the idea of needles and a lot of needles was very intimidating to me. Going into the medical, this medical field where most doctors and nurses and technicians that do work in that field really do believe they are providing life for you. They Mm. are working their magic and they've studied all the science and they're going to help you create life. And I have so many just verses that the Lord used to just reassure me that he can work through those things. He uses Mm -hmm. medicine and science. But a reminder to my son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. And Mm -hmm. in my Bible, I have a note still to this day that I will look at that says, IVF and being in the medical community and Mm. just remembering it is God who creates life and he chooses to use medicine and science sometimes. He chooses to use natural means of conception. He chooses to bring children into families in other ways. Mm. And so to get to walk into that community and continue to remind ourselves as well as our doctors and nurses. Mm -hmm. We thank you for coming alongside us and helping us in this, but as the Lord who is in control. And to this day, because our IVF journey still is actually not done, and perhaps we'll get to that part, but to this day, we get to continue to just remind Mm -hmm. our doctor, who we've used for over a decade now, that we believe that the Lord created this life, and we're going to let him direct our path as to what our family looks like. That's amazing. Yeah. So during that season, then you prayed about that. What did that time, what did that look like when you came to that decision? They're like, okay, we're going to proceed with this and we're going to go down this IVF road. Yes. So there was a lot of prayer and just reminder from the Lord, wait on me, be patient and seek me. And a scripture that I found in my journal too was from Deuteronomy chapter one, when Moses is reminding the Israelites that the Lord has given them this land Mm. and they can choose to take it. And Mm. Deuteronomy 1, 21 says, see the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And they still wanted to question and send those spies in. And I have a journal entry where I just, you know, ask the Lord to continue to be our guide, to help us not be paralyzed or held back by the giants, the mm-hmm. lack of faith. The For them, it was the giants in the land. For us, it's that doubt, that uncertainty of how are we going to be looked at by others? What might people think of us walking through this as Christians? What if it doesn't work? What if we empty our bank account? What if? You know, there were so many what ifs, but I was reassured and Dustin and I together were just reassured. I've set this opportunity before you. Mm-hmm. I want you to walk in it and I want you to trust me and I want you to look to me because I am the one who will instruct you. Psalm 32 eight is like plastered all over my journals mm. through this time of just, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Wow. That is amazing. So, and you just listed a pretty daunting list of the things that I'm sure the fears and the questions and all of the things that would be there. And then of course you have the medical things of, yeah, oh, by the way, there's needles. Mm-hmm. So what was that first appointment. I mean, I personally would be terrified. What was that like for you to just being, you've got this together, you and Dustin feel like at peace with this. You've sought the Lord. 
and then you're starting to go into this. What was those initial stages like? So there's a lot of evaluation by the doctors and nurses, which in, on one hand, I really appreciate. They really do want to set you up for success in this, but you can get lost in their list of medications and procedures and examinations that they want to take you mm. through. And we just continued to pray. And my husband was able to join me in so many of those appointments, which was a huge gift. And when he wasn't, he prayed for me before I left. He prayed for me in the doctor's office. He prayed for me before every single shot, and he actually gave me my shots. But we just continued to seek the Lord, and our prayer the entire time was just, Lord, would you be glorified during this entire process, whether it is the injections, the drug injections that I need to go through, the procedures that I need to be have done to me. It brought us together. We were both seeking the Lord, both truly just wanting to honor Him and glorify Him, and So we knew, okay, Lord, you're setting this before us. And so we just want to walk in what you have for us. And another verse that I have marked in my Bible is Proverbs 2, 7 and 8, which says, He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. But the first six verses about Proverbs are... If you receive my words and treasure up my commands, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, if you incline your heart to understanding, and we were truly just trying to do all of that. Mm. We were just asking the Lord, if this is not where we are supposed to be, please close those doors. Do Mm. not let us walk through this door because we are trying so hard to create a family on our own. We want Mm. this to be something that is done by you and you alone. And I have a whole journal entry where I wrote about that, Proverbs 2, and just victory didn't necessarily mean you're going to get that healthy baby at the end. I didn't know what it held for me, but what I knew was that God already knew the end of our story, and during this journey that he was going to take us on, he was promising to be our shield, guard our path, and cover us with protection. So even though we were walking into this medical field that thought they were the ones in charge and they were the one's creating life, that the Lord was with us and protect us. And he gave us so many signs along Mm -hmm. the way of just confirming his plan. Every time we've gone through it, we have had a nurse or a phlebotomist or somebody that just noticed that we were Christians Mm -hmm. and also was. So we were able to have that connection point. One of the coolest signs that I still to this day just can get teary-eyed when I think about is in this process of IVF, you are faced with so many decisions Mm. that you don't ever think you're going to need to make or you don't have to make when you are able to conceive naturally. And there is paperwork that you sign. There's some of the examples. We had to sign paperwork that said, do we want to limit how many eggs we try to fertilize that might become embryos? And that was a daunting decision for Dustin and I to think like, okay, we don't want to be thoughtless and reckless and just harvest as many eggs as possible because what if they all turn to embryos and we have Mm -hmm. all these little babies? So we were going to have to make this decision. Do we sign paperwork to say, yes, let's limit or no, let's not. And we just went to our knees in prayer and asked the Lord and said, Lord, would you please give us the perfect number of whatever you would have on harvest day that they go in and they retrieve eggs, would you just perfectly order out what you would have? Mm. 
And I looked back a couple months after that or a month or two, I don't remember how long it was. And the Lord gave us seven embryos and seven is the number mm. of completion or biblical perfection. Mm-hmm. And so how the Lord just so sweetly and perfectly answered literally with the perfect number. And wow. so he just confirmed his presence in our story so many times. That's just one example. Man, that is amazing. Now with that, you bring up a point with in vitro that sometimes brings up a lot of ethical concerns for people. And I'm sure this is tied in with some of that paperwork that you were talking about that you have to sign because maybe talk to people who don't know as much about IVF and what that means if you have eggs that are fertilized that are embryos that are not used. Yes. Because that's a concern. Yes. So from the very get-go, Destin and I were very clear with ourselves, but also with our doctor, that we believed that there was life as soon as that fertilization happened at conception. Mm -hmm. And so that meant several things. We asked the Lord, Lord, don't put us in a gray area with these. If it be your will, give it black and white. So we actually had those seven embryos and... After day one, that seventh one really didn't continue to progress. It was very obvious at the end of the, it's a six day period that they watched these four. And it was very obvious that there was no life in number seven. So that one was just nothing happened to it. But we still had six and our number six didn't actually meet the criteria of what the doctor office says, hey, it needs to meet this, this, and this in order for us to preserve it and freeze Mm -hmm. it. So what we did is we went through IVF the first time and we transferred two embryos, which that was another choice we had to make because my doctor warned me that there was a a chance of inconvenient twins um, if you transfer two embryos. And both embryos did take and we had twins, but we had four more that were frozen. They're cryopreserved, which is an amazing medical advancement. My husband's sperm was actually frozen for 14 years before we even went through this. Mm. And then these have been preserved, but we have had to actually fight for our number six embryo multiple times because it has, they freeze the frozen embryos in pairs. And so when we went through it our second time to have our baby number three, we didn't realize that they had frozen them in pairs And so we had to thaw out a pair and we were not prepared to transfer two more embryos and have a second set of twins. And so that embryo has, the embryos have been frozen and thawed multiple times, but every time that number six has been thawed and frozen, we've had to fight for that with Mm. our doctor and say, no, there actually is a sign of life and they grade your embryos on a system based on what the shape looks like and how the cells have divided. And much of the details, Destin and I actually try not to get too into. Mm -hmm. You can be overwhelmed. Yep, there is life life, very clearly. So that's one of the areas. We also had to sign a piece of paperwork. They call it selective reduction is actually abortion. And Mm. when you read the process, they say we'll inject saline solution so that this embryo is no longer living. So we had to sign a piece of paper that said, no, please don't even talk to us about this because this is not an option. Now, you said that you've had to fight for that. 
I'm sure that just as time goes on, that's just become more and more of a fight for people. But you've been with your same doctor for a long time. Mm -hmm. When you say you have to fight for it, how hard do you have to fight for this? I mean, it's just, it's kind of amazing to me that we live in a day that you can't just unapologetically stand on the side of life and that be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a constant reminder. Like Mm -hmm. I would think you have medical charts, maybe just write a little note in there that says, nope, they don't need to be talked to about this, but... Mm. They bring it up and we just continue to reassure them. We understand that this embryo does not meet your qualities, control or whatever your standards are for refreezing. But we've decided that this is what we would like to do. And so we just pretty much we're just reminding them over and over when we go through it. Yeah. Hmm. So and we get looked at as crazy from some of the doctors like, wow, you're back in here again, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And we're going to give you the same answer the same time. Wow. So. I'm sorry. I've interrupted several times, but now tell us order of kiddos. So you said your first two, you had twins. Yes. So we did transfer two embryos at that time. And we have twins that are nine and a half. They'll be 10 this summer. That was in 2012. We went through it. They were born in 2013. Then we went through it in 2015, and I think we started in the summer or something, and had a few things come up that the Lord just said, you know, we're just going to push this back a little bit. And so then we got pregnant in late 2015 with that one, so 2016, so I have a six-and-a-half-year-old son, and then a four-year-old, and an almost two-year-old. And then we actually still have a number six. So we will see, yeah, what the Lord has in store for that. It's, And this is the number six you've been fighting for, really. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we will just see. I love it when people ask me, they see I have five kids and they say, are you done yet? And I get to say, I don't know if I'm done. And they kind of look at me like, what? And then I have a chance to just share kind of what the Lord's doing in our life and say, we'll see if we're done with this or not. And in some ways, that's a very similar question to anybody Mm -hmm. who's married and, you know, has kids and they don't know if they're done. The Lord is the one that knows those kinds of things. And regardless of the method, IVF or not, that's still kind of up to the Lord. And Mm -hmm. I love that. So maybe, especially for me and probably lots of gals out there that don't know what this process looks like, even emotionally, just all of the things that you went through. I love the Lord was so clear and the Lord was so present with you leading up to this decision. You've had a lot of years in there in the middle of a lot of physical trauma, a lot of emotional stuff all over. Maybe walk through that a little bit. Yeah. So even before the Lord made it clear for us to go through this, there was a lot of waiting, even just a lot of hurt and hard times. I had many women around me who were just so easily able to have babies, you know, Mm -hmm. and the Lord just kept reminding me, just wait on me and my ways are higher than your ways and my timing is better than your timing. And just needing to go through acknowledging that and then asking the Lord just to forgive me where I would let bitterness or jealousy or envy creep in and even just asking the Lord to heal my heart and to renew me, renew my strength just to wait on Him. And how that same prayer has been able to work its way over this last decade, because now having 
when I went through it the first time, the needles were smaller <laughs> because of just some of the logistics of the process. I remember the second time I went through it and I received my package of needles from the doctor's office. Oh, that's and, a fun package to get in the mail. Oh, yes. Uh, and yeah, they're just on my doorstep. I mean, I think the needle was probably seven inches long. That was supposed to go into me. Whoa. Yeah. With the, all of it, just maybe not seven, maybe five, but still it was a big needle. It was not your teeny tiny needle. And just the Lord sustaining me through that. I had two-year-old twins at the time and we were going to be going through this process again. And every single time I went through it, it was different. And the Lord, I think, used that as a reminder to me as well. Aaron, you don't have this figured out. You don't know how this one's going to go. And you need to trust me. And I'm going to sustain you. And I'm going to renew you and give you the strength that you need to walk through this. I'm going to encourage you. Over and over through my journals, I kept finding Jeremiah 33.3 written down. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. And I saw that at the beginning, the first time we went through it, and I saw it throughout, you know, the the times we've gone through it. We've gone through it four times. We just, we have five kiddos. The first ones were twins. So having gone through it and it just looked different every time and the Lord used the entire process every single time just to draw me closer to him, to draw my husband and I closer to each other and to him. And each time he was just teaching us different things and just sustaining us in different ways. I, I love that you're pointing out there just even how easy it is. This is just human nature to f- see something, see someone else and the experience someone else is having and go, I would rather have that situation. Why can't I have that? And we have that and we can get bitter. We can do all these things. I was I was talking to a friend about, you know, how in 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about how singleness is a gift and how Paul is saying, I wish that all would have this gift. And the implication there in singleness is that, yes, it is a gift, just like marriage can be a gift. Pregnancies are a gift. There's all these things. But sometimes we want to trade the toaster we got for Christmas for somebody else's gift. We would rather have this thing over there. And so we've talked about this before. I remember when you and I chatted a couple months ago, different situations different pregnancies, different marriages, some are single, some are married, but it's still our human sinful nature to want to have somebody else's gift or have it in the way maybe that they have it. But there's something within the same God that wants to instruct all of us, even in all of those different situations. And that just that just amazes me when you when you bring up how sustaining the Lord is. Same God, all of our dis- situations are just so different, but that's a comfort to me. Yeah. Yes, I came across a journal entry where I found myself questioning, Lord, why me? Why do I have to be the one to walk through this? And then I got through to now and looking back and as I was preparing to be on the podcast and just thinking, you know, I'm honored that you asked me, but I'm honored that the Lord did choose me and how Mm. my perspective shifted from questioning, why do I have to be the one to walk through this to Thank you for letting me walk through this because Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. And we can walk in what the Lord has prepared for us to do, even when it's not what we want or even when it doesn't feel good. 
Isaiah 25, 1 says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done marvelous things, things planned long ago. And to just be so thankful that the Lord did choose me and that I get to take what he's walked me through and use it to share a message of faithfulness, of hope, of promise. And like you said, everyone's story is going to look different and we're not going to go on that same journey. And we can choose to question God on why we're not on the same path as someone else, or we can gratefully accept that and look back and say, wow, Lord, you chose me and you're going to use me to show your faithfulness and your goodness and your sovereignty. I can't imagine what the product would be if I had not opened my hands to the Lord's gift for me and how different my family would look, but how different my heart would be as well. And Colossians, I think this pertains to it. At least the Lord encouraged me in this verse. Colossians 4, 17 says, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And Mm -hmm. it just gave me this reminder, be sure to carry out the ministry that the Lord gave you. Don't go and create your own story, your own journey, because it's not comfortable what the Lord might have you walk through because he can do way more than we could ever ask or think up for him. And when we first started, you talked about the expectations that you even had. You just assumed, yeah, I'll be a mom. You probably hadn't, you definitely had no idea that this is the way it would look. Or, But our expectations can be so deceiving, I suppose, in thinking how things should be a certain way. But I bet most of us, you can think of a situation on how we expected it to be. And anytime when you see how the Lord actually does it, it's richer, it's just better in every way. For sure. For sure. And just, I was reminded too, in listening to your podcast that you did with Drew Fuller mm-hmm. and just what's in your hand. And we can shake what's in our hand and not want to use it or ask to get rid of it. Yeah. So in my hand, I had this journey of infertility of you can use this to please me and to honor me, to glorify me and point others to me, or you can try and just get rid of it. And we may have these circumstances or situations that we would really prefer not to have. And I'm so thankful that I didn't do that, that we were able as a couple to lean into the Lord. And like you said, I could never imagine five kids, possibly six. I don't know what the Lord you know, may have for us. And I would not trade it for the world. I think I spent more time when I was growing up thinking about the career that I was going to have and watching over the last decade and a half of how the Lord has just totally shaved away things that I thought were good for me and is just continuing to shape me to be who He wants me to be. And part of it involved walking along this path. I mean, talk about not being in control, you know, really, I mean, as parents, we're, or as women who want to have children, we're not in control ultimately, Mm -hmm. but I had no clue what was going to come from this. And I'm just thankful that the Lord, he covered it, he protected it, he led it. And now a decade later, looking back and just seeing the way the Lord answered our prayers, the way he met us and truly just guided the whole process. 
it's so amazing to listen to a story like this, and especially because you get to look back, right? You dug out those journals and you were able to see, oh my goodness, look at all the ways, look how far the Lord has brought you in this process. But how would you encourage a gal that's right in the middle of this, that maybe isn't feeling some of these highlight moments or being able to see the Lord's finished work and like you said, not really finished, but at least you, we, his work so mm-hmm. far. How would you encourage a gal that's maybe kind of still in the in the midst of, because you know what it's like, all the medical stuff and the frustrations and the bitterness and the envy and all of those things. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those gals? Oh man, I would just say, keep seeking the Lord. Mm-hmm. He wants to be in the middle of this story. He wants to be the center of it. And I think learning how to delight in the Lord to take pleasure in, to enjoy. And we can easily be caught up in finding delight in our circumstances. And when our circumstances don't seem delightful, we can start to play the comparison game. We can be down on ourselves. That's when we allow envy and bitterness to creep in. But when we delight in the Lord, that's often in connection to the laws and commands of the Lord and obeying mm-hmm. those. And I would just encourage women who are walking through this, who are considering possibly walking through it, seek the Lord, and He promises to meet you where you at. He wants to show Himself faithful to you. He wants to be your delight. And we don't know what that end result is going to be, but we know that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, that, let's see, Psalm 37.4. Yes, <laughs> Psalm yes. Psalm 37.4, delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Yes. Yeah. And so those desires will align mm-hmm. with what the Lord has in store for you when you choose to delight. And I had a lot of journal entries on that, just about learning, Lord, teach me how to delight in you and not mm. what's going on in my life. And that's such an amazing word for anybody in multiple situations. Mm-hmm. If it's a mom that's dealt with miscarriages mm-hmm. and it's difficult to welcome our sufferings. Yes. Those are hard things, but that's almost like the world's economy and that is our flesh a little bit, but it's the Lord that 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 finished workmanship piece that those kind of those little ins and outs, the parts we don't want to go through are vital to get us through to the other side. I loved when you were talking about how Judy encouraged you at the beginning of this. And I just want to highlight that to you gals, if you're listening, because I think sometimes, especially maybe even more so in a topic like IVF, it can be very easy for us gals to want to give our opinion off of something that we heard. And we can kind of start just inserting a lot of things that we probably don't even really know that much of what we're talking about. But well, I don't know, maybe you need to think about this and and just give our opinion. But what I was noticing that you said about Judy, she didn't really do that. She encouraged you in the word. She encouraged you to seek the Lord. She said she would stand in the gap for you. And I think that is huge for us as gals. You know, if, if you're a gal listening to this and you have a friend that's going through IVF or maybe some other different type of struggle within their pregnancies or their marriage or whatever place in life they're in, we get to stand in the gap for them in a lot of ways and pray for them and encourage them. But it might not mean gals always just given our opinion too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure you had some opinionated folks along the way that you had to go, ah, okay, thank we you. We did, yeah. And yeah. I feel like the Lord gave me the ability just to kind of siphon those ones out. But I had so many rich opportunities where the Lord just put Titus two women in my life who encouraged me in the Word and to dig deeper into what it looked like to be a godly mom, to be a godly mm-hmm. wife, 
before I was a mom. And I am so thankful I can look back and see whether it's little notes in my Bible or my journal where I have notes from those godly women who were Mm -hmm. just encouraging me in the word, like you said. And just a practical thing, you've mentioned several times that you've journaled through this process. You know, gals, if that's not something that you do, grab a journal. Just start making little notes. It's not something that you have to feel like, oh, if I didn't do it today, then it doesn't count. Do it when you can and do it as it comes. It could be weeks and months between entries, but it's so amazing to look back and see just a written record even of the Lord's faithfulness. And I know when I look back at mine, I always even kind of marvel at maybe my own spiritual immaturity at that stage or comparatively to like what the Lord showed me down the road. But you can't see that. Our, our mem- my memory is not that great. So it's always so good to see it. For sure. And I've gone through seasons of journaling more than others. You have and, five children, Erin. Yeah, that will yes. happen. <laughs> uh, and getting these out was just such a sweet reminder. Oh, put that time in. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like you said, just a mm-hmm. little you know, little bit just to log what the Lord's doing in my life. And it's been a good encouragement to my children too, Mm -hmm. as they're starting to read the Bible on their own and have a little journal. And I can say, I mean, they've watched me so sweet. They've been praying, mom, mom on the podcast, mom on the podcast. And just to say, you know, I've been able to take these journals out and remind myself of how faithful the Lord was in this Mm -hmm. journey of wanting to become a mom So when you have a struggle or you have a dream or something you want to take to the Mm -hmm. Lord, get your journal out and just write a little note, like put a little checkbox for your prayer request or whatever it might be. And so it's been very refreshing for me, but I've been able to use it as a tool with my children as well. So it doesn't have to be perfect prose. No. (laughs) You can have a bullet journal. (laughs) I, I was so freed by bullet points of not having to compose like a perfect paragraph but just writing like little things that maybe I'm thankful for mm-hmm. or little things that I'm going through or maybe something that I'm really having a hard time with right now mm-hmm. and just a scripture that the Lord highlighted. But something written down is, is better than nothing, I think, yes. for sure. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for this. This has blessed me because it's just always reflecting back on the God that is so faithful through all of our stories, the ups and the downs and all the things that we go through. So I thank you for sharing your story. And I really do, th- I just believe that as we talked about, May God receive all the glory for these things. My prayer for you gals that are listening, that you would just be encouraged in whatever situation you're in. Maybe it's encouragement for the person you need to give encouragement to. Maybe you're not going through this, but maybe it's encouragement for them. But for all of us that to seek the Lord in all of these seasons, I think it was impossible to not hear in Erin's story how much she clung to scripture. And you can't cling to scripture that you don't know or that you're not in and you're not reading. So again, don't guilt trip that. Put that in wherever you can, but make it a priority because when you're in these seasons, you're going to need God's word more than anything. Erin, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of A.V. Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.